0: Hello. And welcome back to Crank Commentaries. As always, I am your host, Jake Dumastro. I'm joined by my very good friend and co host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton.
1: Hello. How's it going?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> certainly uh You're d-
1: doing you're doing well enough to talk about Ran some more, I suppose. Because that's yes. what we're that's what we're here to do. Um yes. I noticed that you've deleted my any crane kick news bullet points so i just wanted (laughs) to sneak that in there any um
0: i mean that's because it's dumb uh that you're asking me there's news when you know whether or not there's news or not well just do you
1: have any though and clearly
0: there's no news okay cool Uh, just checking no and you should cut out this entire segment
1: okay i'll think about it so do you want to do you want to just give us a quick a brief recap of what we talked about last week
0: yeah so what did we talk about last week so we talked about what happens in the movie, we summarized it, which took a while. Only, what, what, 20 yeah. minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. Um, we talked about uh, sort of how they shot it, we talked about our uh, initial reactions.
1: That warlord.
0: Yeah, we talked about uh, the real life, quote-unquote, basis for uh, Ran. Um, yeah, what was name? Life, it was his Real life, because obviously... He's somewhat legendary, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's real life in the sense that the film had actually nothing to do with him whatsoever except for the parable well, of the three arrows. Well, it was based arrows.
0: vaguely on a guy who definitely existed, but who has several legendary stories about him. Yeah,
1: probably didn't do the thing that the film was based off, of, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Exactly. <laughs> the
1: point is it's an epic film by Akira Kurosawa.
0: And it's not alone, but it is maybe the best.
1: <laughs> you think this? You would say that this is the best Kurosawa film in your opinion?
0: Well, the best epic one. <laughs> the
1: best epic one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is the most epic of of them that yeah. of the ones that I've seen. I haven't seen all of his films actually, mm-hmm. so I don't know that I could fully say that. So this, ep- this episode's going to be pretty Kurosawa heavy um well i mean i should hope so yeah exactly which is a good thing i don't mean that in a bad way at all that's uh that's the point of this episode so we're gonna talk a little bit about his backstory and you know this is not we i say this every time we talk about directors it's not the director podcast it's the film podcast so uh uh,
0: yeah well we'll, yeah we'll talk about what we need to talk about but like he has obviously a a massive really massive like career uh made plenty of movies. Yeah, and um, he's
1: one of the most, you know, legendary fucking true legend directors of all time. So you know Exactly so we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to cover his whole fucking uh, uh backstory in the Yeah, in the not like to we
0: vaguely attempted to do with Stanley Kubrick, which was somewhat of a disaster.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we did okay. <laughs> no, actually. we definitely
0: did. It, it helps that he didn't do that many movies. Yeah, exactly. Kurosawa,
1: <laughs> however, did a lot of movies.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: it would be a little bit more intense. But yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna go through that a bit, and then kind of how that leads into the the production of of Ran. Um, yeah. And then we're gonna talk a little bit because we mentioned last week. The kind of king lear connection and how this movie's uh, often touted as being the king lear uh remake so we're really going to dive into that a little bit more well,
0: i mean remake is not exactly the right remakes word, not but... the word i meant to say but uh, adaptation
1: adaptation yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah i would say it definitely is an adaptation of king lear but we'll get into that later <laughs> exactly
1: so that's what all we'll that's what that section's yeah. for, and then finally we'll, we'll
0: talk about the connection between this film and King Lear. Exactly,
1: and then finally we'll actually get into kind of the the production section, which unfortunately is not as not as dense as not I would have, not as juicy as I would have liked. I yeah. think a lot of that comes from the fact that a lot of the sources aren't in English.
0: Yeah, although there is a good documentary which I haven't watched. That's what I was just going to bring uh, up, actually. <laughs> so uh, maybe check that out.
1: I was just gonna bring that up to direct everybody towards it. It's um, yeah. It's called AK. It's about. It's it was filmed during the making of this film, and it's by a guy named, I believe. Yeah, it's in French. Chris Marker. Oh well, that's why right. I couldn't find it. I found a, an English dub of, of it then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, that's yeah, really yeah, weird. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so there you go. French film AK by I forget what the first name is. Is it Chris? Chris Marker. Chris Marker.
0: Which doesn't sound like a very French name, but I assure you it is.
1: It's Cri Marquet.
0: Oh, actually, actually, it's Christian Hippolyte François-Georges-Bouch-Villeneuve.
1: Oh, well, there you fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly a French film. Anyway, that film... Well,
0: sorry, yeah, exactly.
1: That is, that is sometimes said the best making of film of all time.
0: Although it's not... From what I understand, exactly, um, a film about the making of Ran.
1: No, it's about it Kurosawa just so himself
0: to have been filmed during the making of Ran. Yeah,
1: so basically, the point of this is that this this secondary film kind of has a yeah. lot of the making of Ran in it, incidentally, yeah. and you, there's a lot of excellent footage in it. So yeah. you should so go watch that. Go watch that. Did you watch that? No, I didn't. I'm gonna watch it though. Oh. I was trying to find it yeah. all day today. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah. So let's start
1: talking about Kurosawa a bit.
0: Right. Akira Kurosawa.
1: Akira Kurosawa. So um, he was born in Japan in 1910.
0: He is really old.
1: He is, well, he's dead now. Well,
0: yeah, he was really old when he made this movie.
1: Yeah, he was really old when he made this movie. He So he died in uh, September 6th, 1998 at age 88, if you... Are like me and aren't good at math yeah so yeah 1910 so yeah how old was he when he made this film then 85 uh so the...
0: he was 75 years there old there you go wow which is i guess pretty old to be a director how old is martin scorsese right now <laughs> older than 75 Probably about that. is it? i think he's
1: like 77 or 78 by now at least
0: he's 78 there you go right
1: I mean, he's got to be almost done. He only's, like, why is he still doing it? Really? He just
0: can't stop. He loves doing it. Yeah,
1: exactly. He'll probably die in the director's <laughs> chair.
0: Exactly.
1: Just have a heart attack in there, he's still man. working right now. Yeah, I think he's currently making a movie. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. I
1: think Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci are <laughs> both in it. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know, but uh, I assume so.
0: Yeah. They were in the last one. Yeah, exactly.
1: Actually, yeah. I do, actually, I think Leo is in it. God. I think Leo anyway, and let's, Robert let's... De Niro are, are in it.
0: Anyway, let's. uh well, yeah, sir, I'm getting distracted. Get off that sidetrack, but the... regardless, you know, Akira Kurosawa was old in directing movies before Martin Scorsese was old and directing movies. Yeah, well put, well put. He did it <laughs> when
1: he was still in the fucking, in a not in a diaper yet. You know what I mean? See what to get yeah. there. Old people.
0: I don't know what you mean. No. In a diaper? Yeah. Okay, kind of. <laughs>
1: yeah. Anyway, so. Kurosawa kind of started off, he wanted to be a, a painter when he was younger. You may, we just discussed last week the paintings that he did. He's,
0: well, he did become a painter. He also did some other things. Yeah,
1: well he worked as a painter for a while, I think, but he kind of hated it. I mean, he right. wasn't very successful. And he was really apparently put off by art school. He didn't like all the, all the you know, mm. the strict rules, apparently. Oh, God. Japanese art school at the time
0: yeah, a Terrible joke
1: Okay, play it on me
0: And so Instead, after uh, being rejected From art school, instead of conquering the rest Of Europe, he decided to become a film director
1: At a similar time, yeah Yeah, he was uh, <laughs> Yeah,
2: I know, this is
0: around that time At a like, similar
1: time, he chose to be. He decided to do something else with his life Yeah um, This is a little side story, but It's kind of kind of interesting so while he was working as a painter, he lived with his brother, um, his oldest brother, I think, who became mm-hmm. like estranged from the family for whatever reason because he wasn't he 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 was I don't know if he was like fully estranged because
0: because but... he told the truth to his father <laughs> about what he was doing. Is that it? It's Saburo. See, it's Saburo.
1: Oh, I see. I got you. I got you. <laughs> You're making a connection to the film yeah that's good that's good well that'll come up
0: i think the youngest yeah it's okay
1: the connections between uh him and this film are uh are drawn multiple times by multiple people
0: well kurosawa is hitatora though yeah yeah
1: exactly um but anyway uh his his oldest brother um apparently had a massive effect on his filmmaking i was reading an article that said his brother like forced him to like l- there was like a tragic w- scene that he witnessed or something i i forget exactly what it was but there's like an earthquake and he-, he wanted to look away but his brother forced him to like look at the at the carnage because he had to face his fears and like regardless his brother was super important to him mm-hmm. and his brother worked as a uh, a silent film narrator
0: Okay, so I had no idea what this is. Can you explain, is it exactly what it sounds like? Basically, yeah. Do they just read the title cards, essentially? Yeah, it's
1: just guys who, like, sit in theaters and, like, narrate the silent films. I think they either read the title cards or they, like, actually get, like, scripts to, like, read. Over the, like, you know, just to, like, actually say what's going on.
0: Right, because I know, like, I wonder if that was, like a really common thing in Japan. I think it was. Because I don't think, I don't think it was here. Like, I know they used to play like live music and stuff like that, but, uh,
1: no, but I think it was actually quite I'm a big deal. I'm not
0: aware of any, any time that they used to do narration, but maybe they did. I mean, I wasn't around back then. Yeah,
1: I'm sure they did it. I it must've just not been as common, but I think it was yeah. quite common there because he was apparently like kind of renowned in a small way, not right. in like a, ma- like a huge right, way, but yeah, he was, like, pretty good at it, apparently, and and, and had a good... Uh, it's
0: at the top of his game.
1: Exactly, and I think Kurosawa managed to see a lot of films as a result of, you know, living with his brother right. and his brother doing this. Um, unfortunately, his brother eventually killed himself. Apparently, talkies were becoming more prevalent, and he, I th- I don't think that's why. I think, obviously, there's more there, but it, I think that had a pretty... uh. A, a profound effect on him as well kurosawa i mean
0: yeah i can't imagine how it wouldn't yeah exactly
1: then in the late 30s kurosawa joined the pre-toho company which we've discussed before um so i'm not going to get into all the toho stuff today
0: right so but there was a company that became toho yeah
1: it was a pre-toho company if you want to know more about that go listen to our godzilla episode
0: but yeah basically just to recap toho is basically japanese disney
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's their biggest their biggest production company uh everybody who applied had to like write an essay Uh, apparently he he had never shown any interest in making films before this but he he he, uh, at 25 he wanted to get a job at toho so he wrote this essay and it, it, it apparently caught the attention of this uh, this guy who worked there, who liked liked it a lot, really liked him. So, he hired him, and he shot up the ranks to uh, the rank of assistant director pretty quickly.
0: So, so around this, this was in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, this
1: was like the late thirties, early forties.
0: Right. So then, of course, there's the war and all that. Did uh, what was Curazola involved in the war?
1: Not, it di- like, it It didn't seem, I think, again, in the Godzilla episode, I think we talked a bit about how Toho was involved in propaganda films.
0: Right. So, but, um... It doesn't seem like, like he served. Crisola didn't go fight in the Pacific.
1: Doesn't seem like he actually served.
0: He didn't, he didn't go fight against Rod Serling. No, it
1: doesn't seem like it, <laughs> luckily. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, his first film that he actually, like, directed was released during the war. It was 1943. It was an action film called... Shanshiro Sugata I've never seen it Have you seen it?
0: No I've not seen it It's like I assume it's Rather obscure Yeah
1: yeah It's It's I don't think it's like Directly a propaganda film But I think it's like There's like Elements It's
0: definitely not (laughs) Anti-Japanese Exactly Exactly We'll put it that way Um,
1: So after he made this film He was a little bit Disappointed by like How much he made from it As director So his colleague, the guy I totally blanking on his name. Um, but the guy who like hired him at Toho basically was like, You have to get a writing credit. Always get a writing credit.
0: Right, so you can uh you can get royalties. Exactly. So I mean it's kinda of weird that the director wouldn't, but whatever. <laughs> whatever.
1: I don't know. That's it's...
0: also I guess if there's an adaptation, then they need to pay you too. Where you don't need to pay the director in that case. I mean, do you think you think William Shakespeare got a royalty for this movie? I don't know.
1: Yeah, they probably threw some pennies on his grave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he uh, he he took that to heart, I guess. That advice. So he started he started like writing or co writing at least most of his films. I think basically all of his films, and even he even co wrote some films that he didn't direct for other people.
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah, take that to heart. Listeners, get, always get a writing credit. Get the writing
1: credit. Get, I learned that from uh, Robbie Robertson.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, not in, not, a go road, not but, in a good uh, way. Not in a good way, though. We'll talk, we'll talk about him when we talk with The Last Waltz. Yeah, when we
1: finally get to The Last Waltz. Um, But, yeah, so obviously Kurosawa during the war battled with the Japanese censors to get his vision through. Mm-hmm. After the war... He battled with the American censors to get his vision through. But he seems to have had a better go, go of it with the uh, American censors. And he seemed to think that they were a little bit more uh, uh, forgiving generally. But he does the film The Drunken Angel in 1948. Uh, and he casts his longtime, I'm going to say, compatriot to Shira Mufune.
0: Ah, yes. Toshiro Mifune.
1: That's a huge, uh, you know, partnership right there.
0: Yeah, so Toshiro Mifune is probably the star of like the majority of uh Kurosawa films. Yeah, I think
1: it's 16 films he's the star of, which yeah. is obscene. <laughs>
0: yes, definitely. Some um, some
1: more more famous than others, but, you know.
0: But yeah, like most of the uh most well known ones, like Yojimbo, uh Seven Samurai, Rashomon, etc. Basically
1: every well known uh, one except that's for
0: that's this Tushiro one. Mifune. Yeah. Uh was he in Kegamusha?
1: I think so, yeah. Check though, just so I'm not
0: Yeah. It does not appear like he was in Kegamusha, no. Huh. I mean, he definitely wasn't the star of that movie.
1: No, 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 but I, I thought at least he might have been in it. Yeah. Anyway, he was supposed yeah. to be the star of this movie, as we briefly mentioned last week.
0: Well, he was supposed to be um, Hidotaro, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. But
1: I I really looked into it. I couldn't figure out why he wasn't cast. Why he couldn't do it? Yeah.
0: Well, he was probably busy doing something else. Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe. So if anyone knows, send us a, send us a...
0: Well, let me let me look at his filmography. This film movie line. came out in 1985. Yeah,
1: filming it in they filmed for ten months. We'll get into that more, so obviously, later.
0: Okay, it seems like he was doing stuff during the period. Well, I'm sure he was doing stuff, but so I don't know. I don't know enough about it to yeah. really say <laughs> whether or not he was.
1: Yeah. So he kind of, uh, really started getting a, a a you know a name for himself, Kurosawa. I mean, when surprisingly his film rashomon won the golden mm. lion at the venice film festival um and i say surprisingly is because he didn't enter it
0: yeah also i think surprisingly to like him in in the sense that like i think this is a consistent sort of thing throughout of career where like he's he's somewhat underappreciated in his own country i think
1: yeah yeah, and he um, he, I think he shows a bit of disdain for Japanese press.
0: Yeah, quite like, often. Because <laughs> I think that there was a whole like um, like controversy in Japan when th- th- when he won that award. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Because they didn't think he deserved it.
0: Well, they well no, they they didn't think like his film like represented like the Japanese like. Uh, Film industry very well or whatever.
1: Oh, I see. I see.
0: They're like, why didn't you look at all these other Japanese movies, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, but th- that's that's another thing that actually comes up a lot during his career, <laughs> and we might even talk about about this movie because there are things that happen. Yeah, exactly. It, it comes released. up his
1: relationship with that uh, that the Japanese, the film, Japanese industry. film industry. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's connected to. Or all I of mean, it. not
0: necessarily the industry necessarily so much as like the. Uh, the Japanese press more. Yeah, I would yeah. Say.
1: I, I suppose that's true. I think Rashomon also. Sorry, I think Rashomon also stars.
0: Uh, it does. Rash. He is the star of that. Film. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, sort of ensemble, but yeah. yeah, right, right.
1: So basically, this is kind of his the beginning of his upward trajectory of success. Um, so he makes that's because he makes his you know, uh, his Sergio Leone trilogy. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and some other films, uh, that some other people steal for some other stuff.
0: So, uh, to be clear, the movie that Sergio Leone ripped off, uh, was Yojimbo.
1: I think didn't he also do Seven Samurai for something too? Like well, two?
0: Seven Samurai became the Magnificent Seven, but that wasn't, uh, uh that was not. Uh, oh, that the,
1: wasn't Sergio Leone. <laughs>
0: Sergio Leone. So, but and i believe that that was also like um and that was like i think he like they were aware of it like it was it wasn't like uh Trish only just kind of did it yeah he then, just he just did it and then,
1: then they got sued and
0: then they had to pay him afterwards because oh turns out i ripped this off turns right? out you
1: can't just make a shot for shot remake of somebody's film and but yeah no i'm
0: it. pretty sure that seven samurai was like all above board,
2: <laughs> right?
1: So anyway, he makes a he makes all his all these films. This is probably one of his most successful and uh, prolific periods until the, like the mid 1960s, um, when the success of his films kind of starts to taper.
0: Yeah, and this is consequently when they were ripped off by some
2: children. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. Also a good point. This is not a good time time for him. No, um, this upcoming period he. uh... The The studios become weary of investing in him because his movies aren't making as much money. But then there's kind of this, like, uh, uh, in, like, you know, Hail Mary, almost this ray of hope. In 1970, um, he gets hired for the massive, uh, uh, it's a Japanese-American production
0: with... This is Toro Toro Toro? Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's 20th yeah. Century Fox co production. I don't know so if it's Toho. I, I
0: have actually seen this movie.
1: It's, uh, so do you want to just explain what it's about?
0: Uh, well, it's sort of like, it what's It's a historical movie about the bombing of Pearl Harbor, but it's, it, it, it shows both the American and Japanese perspectives.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, it's an interesting idea.
0: And it, it has, uh, Basically, it's kind of two movies stuck together.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: And it's actually, it's got separate directors for the American and Japanese segments. Which was an interesting... The director for the Japanese segment was originally supposed to be Akira Kurosawa. Exactly. However, um, various sort of things resulted in him basically doing a lot of work on that movie, doing a couple weeks, of sh- two weeks, I think, of shooting, and then bailing on it uh for various reasons
1: yeah it's kind of there's obviously different stories but it kind of seems that he had sort of a mental breakdown during the shoot yeah and was fired but like
0: yeah sort of fired but like kind of pushed it like um like i don't know it, it apparently like the whole thing like wasn't really working like. yeah
1: i think there was creative differences i think i think he was he was fired but that he wasn't like they didn't say he was fired they say he left the project due to creative differences or something one of those things you know but i think he was forced yeah. out of the project and apparently he like the the crew was like thinking he was acting all crazy and stuff and you know um they got the the 20th century fox uh had, sent him to a. Uh, a uh, psychiatrist who was like he has to stop he's having like a you know a manic breakdown basically right so there's there's a lot of stuff going on there but he said and this is from the New York Times he said I was unable to make the film that Daryl Zanuck would have wanted that's all he really has to say about that Um,
0: I also got some info from uh... sorry what was the American director's name
1: yeah, they went through two American directors, too.
0: So Richard Fleischer, who was the guy who eventually ended up doing it, Yeah. Uh, he said, Well, I always thought that even though Kurosawa was a genius at make at filmmaking, and indeed he was, I sincerely believe that he was miscast for this film. This was not the type of film to make. He never had anything like it, and it just wasn't his style. He goes on to say, uh, basically, that uh, he always had complete autonomy and nobody would dare uh, make a suggestion to Kurosawa about budget or shooting schedule or anything like that. And then here he was with Daryl Zanuck on his back and Richard Zanuck on him and Elma Williams and the production managers. And it was all that stuff he'd never run into before. Right. So, like, I don't know, part of it, I think, just has to do with also, like, this is his first American movie, right? Yeah, it's his first it's Hollywood I think film. Think the industry works completely differently over there than it does in Japan.
1: Yeah, well, and he was also like, it was they were saying that like he knew his crew, and this was his first time yeah. working in the American. And they, you know, you know, first time working with all these people in a different industry.
0: Yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. Yeah, just
1: overall, a bad experience for him. It seems definitely. So that kind of fucked his career up a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, he
1: he he made a lower budget film kind of right after, to prove that he could do it still, mm-hmm. because he, you know he had made a lot of higher budget films that hadn't made his like had started to lose money, or not made as much money, and um, so he wanted to make a, a a film on a low budget, under a million dollars for in under twenty eight days, and he did, but it tanked at the box office, um, so it kind of did not help the situation at all. And
0: wh- which film was this?
1: Uh, I don't remember the name, but it was the one... Dodesukaden? Yeah, that's it. Dode yeah, Dodesukaden?
0: But it's got an interesting painted movie poster by Kirk Kurosawa. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I think that was actually one of his first color films, if not...
0: It is. His first color his film. His first in color. So there you go. Well, unless you count Tora Tora Toro. Yeah. Which he worked on, but didn't complete.
1: Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so that film did not do well at the box office. And then he's quite candid about the fact that he attempted suicide in 1971. Um, Do you want to read what he said in the New York Times about that? Yeah,
0: he says, I think I was suffering from some kind of neurosis. I had a bad case of gallstones, and it wasn't until long afterwards that I was diagnosed and successfully operated. I didn't realize until after the surgery that I had been in pain for years and it had been affecting my spirits. I was very foolish Letters and telegrams came from all over the world. There were offers from children to help finance my films and I realized I had committed a terrible error.
1: That's pretty sweet that last thing about offers yeah, from children is. to help finance his films, but so it's good that he uh he uh, had that quick kind of change of heart there
0: about that. Yeah. But definitely.
1: Point being, it was not a good period. It was a dark period. No. Uh, no,
0: it definitely was uh not, a bit. but sort of in the meantime where he, he had been having sort of his career hadn't been doing well he'd be having like sort of personal trauma like um his films were like consistently being enjoyed at least in the west by a bunch of people who like would go on to become like hollywood bigwigs and things right oh like, yeah 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 so like like you know famous directors like you know George Lucas or like uh Sergio Leone as we previously mentioned yeah. um uh Steven Spielberg uh Martin Scorsese who we've mentioned who we just mentioned but not in connection to Yeah Grisella. yeah yeah
1: but the point being all these <laughs> but, guys But
0: the point uh, yeah and Francis Ford Coppola all these guys were watching these Kurosawa movies Sorry
1: Sorry who was that last
0: Francis Ford Coppola
1: Sorry who's that
0: okay never mind never mind uh so anyway they're they're i know where you're going with this we'll make that joke when we get there um, anyway um so they've all been like watching these occur and like loving them like while you know he can't get a film made yeah so it's this really weird I mean?
1: thing like yeah he's like he's famous among directors Western directors and among filmmakers as being like one of the greatest filmmakers of his generation, basically, mm-hmm. and yet he, yeah, he yeah. can't he can't secure funding t- to make his, the big films he wants to make. Yeah. So finally, after his like this kind of like rough period, he gets the excited Soviet backing. I'm gonna put it because they seem to really want to back, give him some money. Yeah. The Soviets. Mm-hmm. So they do. And he makes the film Dersu Uzala.
0: Uzala Uzala. Is, is that in Japanese or is that in Russian? No, I have no.
1: no idea. I've never seen that film. i never heard of that film until today. But I think this was kind of the turning point for him. It starts... Things start going a little bit better for him
0: here, but okay, it isn't Japanese. There you go.
1: So this is right after he makes this film, I believe, in nineteen seventy five or yeah. six. I'm
0: just gonna assume that the movie didn't make any money. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? Because it's just a Soviet movie, and they work completely differently.
1: <laughs> and but you know, they gave him money to make a film, so good for good for them. Yeah, um, yeah. and this is when he starts planning. Ran.
0: Yes. When he's thinking of these Japanese daimyos of of old. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: So then 1977 rolls around.
0: 1977.
1: And our our good... A
0: very big year for Akira Kurosawa, or at least... (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: indeed. For (laughs) connections to him. So as you just mentioned, our our friend uh, George Lucas... Uh, made a lot of money in 1977.
0: Um, yeah, he made he made a lot of money off the back of Akira Kurosawa uh, uh, ripping off his film.
1: Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit last time we talked uh, about uh, it, Kurosawa yeah. getting ripped off.
0: But anyway, so. Um, there was a big movie in 1977 that was basically just an adaptation of The Hidden Fortress.
1: Yeah. I don't remember what that film was called, but it yeah, made George really Lucas a lot of money. It made
0: George Lucas a lot of money in 1977.
1: Yeah, and so. 20th Century Fox a lot of money.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Kurosawa saw a penny of that, but... <laughs> I
1: don't know either, actually. Who knows?
0: But, uh, but George but Lucas anyway, did um, saw, saw a lot of it. George Lucas did, and I, I believe he got in touch with Grossella, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: He, like, arranged a meeting with him. And
0: he basically
1: was like, y- we have to, like, he said what you just said. Like, we all love you. You have to make. We yeah, have to exactly. pay for you to make a film. So he basically he leveraged his his clout at uh, 20th Century Fox to get them to finance uh, Kegamusha. Yes. And he got his buddy... Um, Nick Cage's uncle to co-produce it. Oh, Nick Cage, Cage's uncle! I should mention the guy who uh, uh, directed Apocalypse. Now, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he. So Nick Cage's uncle is co-producing the film, uh, and and. I don't know if George Lucas produces it, but he basically is the reason that it gets made. So, good work, George Lucas. I mean, bad work for stealing his movie originally, but, you know. Well,
0: I I mean, I don't know. Like, I would say that, like, you know... I mean, I don't know if uh, although William Shakespeare is dead, so that's another thing. It's like I don't know if this movie paid money to William Shakespeare. But yeah, I mean, I mean I would it say, w-
1: definitely would have had to if he were alive. You know,
0: had William Shakespeare been alive, maybe they should have. But... Yeah, they,
1: they they would it would be a, definitely be part of the conversation if if he was alive. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I, anyway, all, all I'm saying is like that movie, which shall not be named, is. Like, probably less like The Hidden Fortress than this movie is like King Lear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This movie's a lot more like King Lear than George Lucas's 1977 uh, epic is like uh, The Hidden Fortress. Yeah. yeah.
0: How can you call it an epic? It's not even three hours.
1: Well, it's the first part of an epic.
0: Right, okay. I see.
1: <laughs> it itself, I suppose, is not quite an epic. Um, anyway, let's not go down that goddamn rabbit hole because we have and yes. will if we don't stop ourselves now. Yeah. So they Don't
0: even get me started. No! On fucking you got JK yourself Bros. started. <laughs> How did you get yourself started? Because you mentioned the fact that it was a rabbit hole that oh, I could go down there. God, or Don't uh, even let's... peer
1: down it. I'm filling it in with cement <laughs> right now. So the success of Kagamosha which, one,
0: Which is a great movie, by the way.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I do recall watching it in high school and really liking it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I prefer Ran, but Kagamusha is also really good. Kagamusha,
1: he I think he basically described Kagamusha as like preparation for Ran. So it's yeah. an epic, like as well.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a in a similar vein.
0: It's not as epic, right? <laughs> There's not as many extras.
1: Yeah. So to to jump back in time a little bit, as we mentioned, he wrote the script in 1976. And as again, as we mentioned last week, he began, this is when he began painting his storyboard images. Yeah. Because I think he was doing it because he thought the film might never get made and he just wanted to visualize it.
0: Right. Also, that's a great way to visualize a film. That's an amazing yeah, way to that's... visualize a film.
1: It makes me wish I could paint or draw or do anything visually artistic but he starts doing that and he, he basically every shot i think
0: yeah i mean they're very they're, they're very impressionistic well I would say. that's
1: actually funny you should mention that uh, that's why he didn't really get on at in like art school cuz apparently like oh. he was very <laughs> impressionistic and like at the time it was not like the style you know in uh, japan apparently
0: japan at least yeah definitely was not that so anyway so he's he's writing the script he's made all these paintings but he's not really sure if it's going to happen yeah because i don't know i think he's realized at this point that this movie is going to cost a lot of money yep yep i think
1: he he, he in fact he knows that it's going to be the most expensive film in japanese history <laughs> So that's a hell of a Which thing. Which is
0: kind of ridiculous that at that time that was only $11 million. Yeah, it is. Is the most expensive. I mean, I guess it was probably cheaper to make something in Japan than it was to make something in like the U.S.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Probably. Like, it seems like it has to have been if that only cost okay, $11 million. Okay, was a big movie dollars? in
0: 1985?
1: A big movie in 1985.
0: 1985 in film. Okay, actually, let's say Top Gun because that was the next year, wasn't it? It Was a six or seven, yeah. Top Gun, 1986. So roughly the same era. Actually, that was 15 million. So you've got well, that's like oh, but the the Navy footed some of that bill. Oh, well, so we talked let's about say. let's do our
1: first episode. Remember, we talked <laughs> yeah. about all that. If you want to know more about that, All right, but, 1985 notable films. Uh, you got Breakfast uh, Club. Um, you've got the Goonies. Teen Wolf was 1985.
0: Okay, Back to the Future.
1: Was that 85?
0: Back to the Future is 1985. They say it all the time in the film.
1: I suppose they do.
0: It's definitely set in 1985. Well, Because it goes back like, to 55.
1: I know that for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay, budget. Back to the Future, 19 million. So there you go.
1: So Back to the Future cost.
0: <laughs> almost twice as much
1: almost double this film but
0: i mean actually there's kind of a lot going on in that movie like effects wise
1: yeah i suppose i suppose i mean yeah we're not we're no experts on you know
0: but yeah also i just assumed that it was cheaper like to film something in japan
1: yeah the the, the point being is japanese studios were not sure even after kagamusha is like relatively successful he was like
0: Yeah, so he had to go get some money from the French. Yeah,
1: specifically a guy named Serge Silberman or Serge.
0: Please, Serge.
1: Serge. He put up the he put up a uh, at least half the money. I don't know the specific numbers, uh how much of the money he put up, but enough for it to be a co production between uh uh was it Toho? Was Toho the other?
0: Um, I'm well, not 100% sure, Japanese... but I would, I would bet you dollars to donuts that uh, that it was.
1: Yeah, it was Toho. So yeah, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people said that Ren was kind of autobiographical. Um, I think Roger Ebert even was one of the most famous names to be like, it's just about him.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> or something like that. Did he that. have kids?
1: I don't know, but... I think it's a. I think they meant more about his, like you know, career, right? But I don't really know. Too, I do not I yeah. can't speak to that at all. Yeah. To be honest,
0: I'm just trying to think. I mean, I can certainly see like some parallels. I mean, there- didn't he say something about it specifically?
1: I think he did. I've. I can't find the quote here though.
0: Uh, he allegedly said, "Hey, the Torah is me."
1: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's pretty direct. Uh, so, like, I've got a couple of quotes here from, from him, just kind of about, like, the script and, like, the themes in the film and just kind of his his headspace at the time while writing it, if you want to read those. The first two are from Salon.com, and the last one's from the New York Times.
0: What I was trying to get at in RAN, and this was there from the script stage, was that the god or gods or whoever it is observing human events is feeling sadness about how human beings destroy each other and powerlessness to affect human beings' behavior. Yeah, so I mean Yeah, I can definitely see that with the like the shot of like the Buddha on the scroll.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just like
0: at the very end of the movie.
1: Definitely. And I think he was responding I think he had been asked about why the first battle scene only has like doesn't have sound, only has like the music. So Right. And and he was he was saying that the music is like the gods how they feel about what they're seeing. Which I right. thought was a really interesting
0: Interesting yes. note.
1: Um but yeah, if you want to go on there.
0: He says, "Now it's finally become more natural for me to take a more objective viewpoint. Ran is maybe the first time that I feel confident that I have achieved that overview."
1: So that's interesting
0: as well. Yeah,
1: and I can't. I'm not. This is more from like what that quote is is from, which I, is from Salon dot com. But it was yeah. it was about how all his films leading up to this have sort of had like a perspective, as opposed. Whereas this film is like stepped out from that and it's more of like an objective perspective. If well, it's that like makes the God's sense. eye view. Exactly. Of, like, an omniscient view. In, in, yeah. Then opposed to like a perspective of like an individual character, if that makes yeah. any sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it doesn't have a perspective, but it's like definitely like No. Because I mean, he just, he says right there, it's about like sadness about who human beings destroy each other. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, none of this is like
0: But it's it's, gospel about what
1: it actually is about. It's just what he said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I I also feel like that kind of viewpoint makes a lot of sense for the kind of, like, epic film that it is with kind of, like, you know, there is a main character. Like, Hidetoro is definitely, like, the main character, but it's, like, you know, it kind of has, like, an ensemble. Yeah, and
1: the storytelling doesn't really seem invested in any one corner
0: character or yeah. anything more. yeah it's very but it's like it
1: overarching
0: yeah it uh and you know it, the way that it's it's shot also like reinforces that Where like you know as i was saying in the last episode yeah uh how how it's everything is shot from like really far away you know yeah, exactly I mean? it yeah. kind of
1: gives it that f- almost flat look
0: yeah 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 but also like there's there's a certain distance between like the events that are happening and the viewpoint you know right right
1: it does kind of give you that like
0: like i'm literally saying there's distance but that also like meshes with like the figurative distance that i think he's Yeah. yeah totally you know kind of like the perspective of like uh some kind of omniscient being. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's Actually, it's very well done. Surprisingly, Akira Kurosawa... It just,
0: it do, does it surprise you that Akira Kurosawa knows how to make a fucking surprisingly, movie? Surprisingly,
1: he did a good job making this film. Yeah. That may shock you.
0: That may shock you. But yeah, like...
1: Uh, he seemed like an intense guy.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%.
1: Like, this last quote kind of goes to show how like this whole film has got a very intense message.
0: All the technological progress of these last years has only taught human beings how to kill more of each other faster. It's very difficult to retain a sanguine outlook on life under such circumstances. Well, that's a very downer attitude. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit downer. I think he's he seems pretty intense again.
0: Yeah, no, I mean we will talk more about his sort of intensity on set, I think, as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um but Yeah. So this is kinda of the point when last week we spoke about the warlord Mori Matinari. Yeah. He this is when, you know, he comes into the, the, the scene uh but as since we've already talked about that, we can kind of move on so
0: sorry, so we are uh going to talk about another another warlord of of old uh but this time <laughs> about the sort of pseudo historical uh warlord of the eighth century, King Lear of Britain
1: <laughs> oh King Lear, you fool.
0: Yes, uh King Lear uh who is um famously uh portrayed in the Shakespeare play of nearly the same name. I say nearly because Lear is spelled with an i. However, Lear in Shakespeare is spelled with an a.
1: Yeah, so there's there's do you want to get into all this cuz I it's so it's so fucking confusing. Not only is the the uh, 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 actual story c- confusing, but the the mythological story is also confusing. So, do you want to just like maybe?
0: Well, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you all about King Lear. Uh, well,
1: no, this isn't a freaking
0: because, high school but,
1: English class.
0: Exactly. However, I will sort of uh, give you the basic breakdown of like what is what exactly this movie takes from King Lear and like what is sort of the main differences, should we say. Sweet. I would 100% say that this film is an adaptation of King Lear. Uh yeah, 100%. Like I think that that that's very clear. Um if Shakespeare was alive, he should get <laughs> money.
1: Yeah, he would have to get money.
0: However, um just
1: like Kurosawa had to get money
0: after Exactly. Uh Serge made Copied his movie. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> however, um I also think that they, they should show this film in Oscar Lynch yeah, class. Yeah, I agree.
1: As opposed to the play, yeah. I think it would be way more engaging than the showing you the play. For some people.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh in preparation for this, uh I I was uh checking out the uh the Lawrence Olivier version of King Lear. Yeah, that's um
1: also two hours and thirty six minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah uh which uh interestingly enough also has john hurt playing the fool sick (laughs) um which is cool so i would say that between this and king lear king lear is actually harder to follow yeah i
1: think absolutely then
0: this there's more going on like this is sort of a stripped down simplified king lear absolutely
1: King Lear has like three other subplots that are almost as confusing as this one, if not more confusing than the main plot, because they're yeah. Sub-plots.
0: So I mean, as far as like analogs go, like you have four like well five if you include the fool, like uh and very direct, well you should yeah no you will uh but five very direct like analogs in this movie yeah um so like you have uh Heitora who is. Obviously, King Lear. Yeah. <laughs> you have um. Sorry, I just this is gonna take me a second because I have to remember all the names from King Lear.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So you've got the Earl of Gloucester.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So you have Taro, who is uh, Goneril, right? Yeah, Goneril. You have Jiro, who is basically um, uh, Regan. Regan. And you have Saburo, who is basically Cordelia. Then you have the fool, who is the fool, <laughs> the
1: fool, who although who has a name in this film.
0: Yes, yes, the fool does not have a name, as far as I know, in King Lear. No, it's just. Um, and then you basically have Tango, who is the Earl of Kent.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, and uh, uh, who's uh, Fujimaki? Lord Fujimaki is the King of France. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, there's also a few like kind of sort of parallels like I think there's a blind guy at some point.
0: Yeah, there is. Uh although there yeah, so I will also say like in in Ran I think like like Lady Kaeda, like I don't think there's a direct analog to her in in King Lear.
1: No, it's just that other character. Is it
0: it's She's kind of like Edmund but not 100%. Yeah. Exactly.
1: She's like a kind of a mixture of characters, almost, slash yeah. a creation of uh, of her own.
0: Yeah. But, um, so basically, like, I would say that King Lear and this movie start off the same, and then they sort of diverge a little bit. And then. But although at the end, the, the end is the same.
1: Yeah, they come together the again. The
0: end result is exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, it comes together like, again. Everybody dies in both of them. Yep. Okay? Yep. Spoilies. Yeah. Yes, it's a Shakespeare tragedy. Hint, hint. Everybody dies. <laughs> if you what Shakespeare tragedy does not everybody die in? Uh,
1: define everybody.
0: <laughs> Every, everybody of consequence. I guess the fool doesn't die in this. But anyway, uh, sort of. Um, so, like this movie, like King Lear starts the exact same way, where King Lear is like, "I'm gonna divide my kingdom, my daughters." But he's like, "But you have to like." Prove to me that, like, you're, you know, that you love me, Yeah. right? Yeah, just show Before me how you that. love me. And then the, the first two daughters are, like, you know, way over They're the top. They're fucking sycophantic,
1: just fucking...
0: They're sycophants, and then, you know, it gets down to Cordelia, and Cordelia's like, I don't know what to say. And then he's like, fuck you, you well, don't love me? Fuck well, you, you're banished. She specifically, Basically. she's like, I
1: love you as much as a daughter should love a, her father.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is but sp- basically, I got nothing else to say after these sick events. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I think like, you know, Sabro is a bit more aggressive in his like prote- uh protesting. Yeah,
1: the whole scenario is slightly different there, but
0: but it's it's basically the same end result. And uh so then Cordelia gets banished uh but then uh the king of France is like, well, I'll marry you. <laughs> yeah uh and then cordelia runs away with king of france basically king of france fujimaki yeah you see <laughs> fujimaki king of france. Uh, and that's the last we see her for a while and then this whole same thing happens where he's like i'm gonna stay the king and i'm gonna keep 100 men and we're just gonna chill you know yeah
1: yeah so it's basically this is all the same right except for the the only difference is is King Lear's daughters are slightly less evil, I think, in the grand scheme than than uh Hidatora's daughter or sons are.
0: What is Taro really evil or is he just like really easily manipulated? <laughs> uh I
2: don't
1: know. Okay, evil is the wrong word because I think even uh even Kurosawa has said No one's evil in this film. They all just have different perspectives or different motivations. Jiro
0: is kind of sketchy. Jiro's the
1: most evil.
0: But also, that also, that also aligns sort of with one of the big differences in this movie and King Lear is that they're, like, as far as we know, King Lear is a pretty good guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, I mean, he is an absolute monarch and, you know, there's general sketchiness about that but shakespeare was writing at a time where that was a thing. yeah so, and he's willing as to, far as we know he's a good absolute mark. and he's
1: willing to you know banish his daughter for and hit one of his closest dudes for like almost no reason but you know uh,
0: but you know he didn't murder a bunch of people and he didn't gouge out anybody's eyes
1: no he didn't he did not gouge out anybody's eyes in king lear but
0: there were eyes gouged out but he didn't yeah, do in it.
1: king lear it was his enemies that did the eye gouging not him
0: yeah, and so anyway, all the same shit happens. There's a bunch more convoluted things in King Lear. Uh, King Lear still basically ends up getting kicked out and having to like you know wander around with his uh, fool. Yeah, well, basically, <laughs>
1: the the major difference there is they don't they don't try and kill him and every and all his guys, right? They just they no. just kick him out. During a storm, which is apparently just as bad when you're a king.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, like exactly. no one but his <laughs>
1: fool. He only has a fool exactly and they kick him into the
0: storm. But yeah, like, pretty similar things happen, just like exactly how they happen is a little bit different. Anyway, they basically both end in a big battle, and this is the French are invading the English, except obviously, <laughs> in Shakespeare's version, the English win. Obviously. However, in Kurosawa's version, Fujimaki defeats the guys that are already Jiro and uh, yeah. et cetera.
1: Yeah. But the main
0: themes. The main themes are the same, and everybody dies.
1: Yeah, everybody dies in more or less similar ways.
0: Well. Wow. You know, surprisingly, there's, like, more suicide in the King Lear version.
1: You more suicide?
0: In, in the Shakespeare version, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that doesn't shock anyone.
0: Well, I mean, well, I feel like. You well, I know, suppose there's
1: actually a fair in, in, amount in of version, suicide.
0: There's, there's a, there's a fair amount of implied, but it, I don't think they, it actually happens. No, you see it once. Right. His men do it. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if that but, counts well, as suicide
1: because seen... they kill each other. It's more of like a.
0: Yeah. A murder
1: yeah. pact. Like
0: yeah, I'm not sure. I guess it's a suicide but, um, pact because
1: you 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 use the other person as a tool of death.
0: Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but anyway, uh they all just get shot and shit. Yeah, they all <laughs> and die. Decapitated.
1: It doesn't go well for them.
0: But like anyway, it ends the same way, it starts the same way. There's some extra stuff in the middle in King Lear.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff with the Earl of Gloucester or whatever, or you know
0: Yeah, so there there's no Earl of Gloucester really in in Yeah Rand.
1: Yeah, the kind of Edmund and the Earl of Gloucester all kind of are mixed together slash don't exist. It's all, yeah, it's muddy, but.
0: slash Lady Kayeda is that. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So
0: I don't know. The one thing I will say is when I was watching the version that I was watching, and whenever they said Edmund, because they were all dressed in a certain way, I kept thinking Edmund Blackadder.
1: <laughs> Wait, who's Edmund Blackadder? <laughs>
0: from black adder oh. have you never seen black adder oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. oh my god what a great fucking show
1: <laughs> i've only seen it with you i think
0: have you only you dude you gotta watch black adder it's such a good fucking rowan atkinson at his peak oh yeah
1: well i love i, I love the bean so you know
0: yeah oh my god uh you should check it out will. <laughs> it's a great show but yeah uh what was i saying yeah, so Edmund doesn't really exist. Um,
1: yeah, so but... like you were saying, it kind of seems like the the major the major difference between the two in terms of theme is just like the idea that Hidatora is like kind of getting a karmic like comeuppance. You know, he's like he's kind of like he's kind of he's reaping what he sowed almost in a lot of ways. Whereas with King yeah. Lear, that's not really the case. He's more just kind of getting yeah, fucked.
0: King Lear is just naive. Yeah. Although I mean his story is too, but
1: yeah. And there's they both go insane. They both, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so there you go. That's kind of the King Lear connection. connection.
0: So basically, if you're going to teach kids Shakespeare, you should teach them with this. Agreed.
1: <laughs> so, that yeah. brings us to the production um of the of Ran which began in 1983 and was supposed to run for 10 months and i believe it ran for just about 10 months which is you know for Kurosawa on schedule apparently uh not often heard of but the film required over 1400 extras which again i don't think surprises anybody
0: if you've seen the movie it should not
1: <laughs> no it shouldn't so for the for the for the castles because Kurosawa was a respected director
0: it it seems like it's very like at this, like, there's a very weird double standard being applied to him, like in Japan at least.
1: Well, they like his successes, but they're kind of like because he's theirs, they get to rip on him more so than anybody else. Almost, there's kind of exactly, like that, you know, what I dynamic. Mean, it's, I, like, I, and he I doesn't mean... like it.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, it was very weird, but it's like, yeah, so he's a respected director, so they're like, you get to film on, like, you know, the you get to film on Mount Fuji. Like that's... Exactly.
1: You get to film where nobody else can, but at the same time, we're going to criticize you. Yeah. So, you filmed at two ancient castle sites the castles at uh, Kumamoto and Himeji. But the third castle, and this is the best story of the whole production.
0: Oh, so this is. The, they, they, they built a new castle.
1: They built the third castle yes. out of wood and plastic, it
0: said. Um, and, you know, it's really impressive that. He filmed at these other two, like, actual castles. Yeah. And this this one looks the same. Like, this looks just as good. Yeah, that... that it, as the real deal. It
1: mixes in quite well.
0: Yeah, so that's impressive.
1: Well, yeah, good set design.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine what chunk of the budget this took.
1: Probably a yeah. big one, which whoever paid for it must have been fucking sweating for two reasons when they burned it down one would assume
0: yeah well i mean the first thing that i could think of is like you can only burn it down once (laughs)
1: damn fucking right so
0: um get it if you don't get the shot right you can't redo it yep and the second thing is that once you burn it down all the shots you've shot previously to that are locked in so there's no chance of reshooting them ever (laughs)
1: So you've got a bit of an issue there that if you fuck it up, you might fuck up the whole film.
0: You might ruin one-third of the movie, yeah. <laughs>
1: which is not good.
0: No. Um. But luckily, he had three cameras rolling.
1: Yep, which we talked about last week. So there yeah. you go. That's why they did that shot in one take. Because they fucking burned down the castle that they built.
0: Yeah. Well, this is kind of... uh remember what we were saying about Die Hard, about the helicopter shot
1: what were we saying about the helicopter shot
0: there were like a bunch of different cameras on that one shot oh with right the explosion on the top of the roof yeah right and like i mean they didn't destroy the entire building but i i imagine that that's a similar situation where it's like we don't want to have to do this again yes yeah, it's the
1: most expensive shot in the film <laughs> yeah get it right exactly. this one time yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like, we have a helicopter and a bunch of explosives. This is going to cost a lot of movie- money to do again. So,
1: on top of all this, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he doesn't, like... He's not necessarily known for keeping the schedule. No. <laughs> um, And apparently, he was extreme perfectionist when it came to natural shots. And there were stories of him delaying for days, sometimes weeks, to get the perfect cloud formations.
0: Well, I mean, you can watch this in the movie... And see some of the shots of clouds with like the time lapses, and you're like, like they definitely spent a lot of time getting that shot right. That's not something that's easy to like redo. Yeah,
1: they filmed a lot of clouds for sure.
0: <laughs> it looks cool in the movie, but time lapse yeah. clouds.
1: But on top of this, apparently there's he could improvise with other conditions, which is very dramatically read in that in this video that I sent you, which I will play. On the, I will put it into the episode But if Let me watch you it, want
0: to watch it yeah. Throughout the following days The battle between film and fog Turns into guerrilla warfare
2: Sensei keeps his troops at the ready Even when visibility is nil As soon as the weather clears up He starts shooting He sometimes improvises Making use of the mist To tie up with a smoke shot on a clear
1: day He is hacking his film Out of the weather's brute matter Like a sculptor
0: is he wearing a cowboy hat? Yeah, it looks like it. I assume that's him. I can't tell through the fog. I think
1: that's him. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's him.
0: But yeah, that was a rather poetic. Um... <laughs> yeah, I
1: think that was from AK.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, certainly, like, if you're dealing with that much, like, unpredictable weather. Like, you either figure out a way to use it, or you just sh- don't shoot. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And I think
1: using it is a really... I Just figuring out how to improvise like that is really yeah, a sign of
0: like a good filmmaker. A... <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, like, it's not only about, like, being able to produce the actual film, but it's being able to produce it, like on like without wasting a lot of time or money and without your crew mutinying on you.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think people like let's say, I don't know, Kubrick were probably pretty close sometimes.
0: Sometimes. <laughs> but I th- I think at least Kubrick was like good at if there was somebody who was going to mutinying, not hiring them for the next movie. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah,
1: he was really good at that. He was good at whittling yeah. it down to the people that weren't gonna mutiny, who would who exactly. would have a <laughs> mental breakdown before mutinying.
0: Although he tried to get him back. Yeah,
1: he did. He tried to get him back because he didn't mutiny. He just had a mental breakdown.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's a that's a different director.
0: Yeah, go check out our Barry Lyndon episode. I can't remember which one. Yeah, well, there's
1: three of them. Yeah. 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 Listen to all of them, really.
0: Yeah, really. If, if you like Berlin, Berlin um, or Kubrick,
1: but yeah, so the production was halted apparently for only one day when yeah. Akira Kurosawa's wife passed away, and then they got right back at it.
0: Yeah, um,
1: intense guy.
0: I, I, I don't I don't really know what that says about Akira Kurosawa, other than like it,
1: you can't extract anything from it. Everybody agrees differently, you know. Yeah, it's like
0: that's true. Yeah.
1: He he. Maybe that's how what he needed to do to, yeah, to grieve. So you can't judge him for what they do. No,
0: I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying I don't really know what that says. Yeah, exactly.
1: I wasn't saying you. I just mean one can't judge him for that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah.
0: But yeah, certainly gives off a very intense vibe. Exactly.
1: It's an intense thing to do, regardless.
0: Yeah. Okay, so like while he was doing this like, you know, pretty intense and complicated shoot. He was actually, like, at night, basically... Not at night, but, like, after he wrapped shooting for the day, he would edit the movie.
1: Yeah, it's and really night. weird. Like, super intense. Um, Like, literally edit the so, film.
0: So, like, as exemplified by uh, this bit from the New York Times, uh, it says, he quickly earned a reputation with his crew as being the world's greatest editor because of his practice of editing late at night during shooting whenever a batch of rushes comes up so he can put a fine cut of the film in and as little as three weeks as in last year's version of kagamusha
1: so he doesn't really like he turns it around i guess like instantly
0: well he turns around the movie like really quickly because He's editing as it goes. Yeah, which
1: is really weird.
0: So, like, it. I mean, sure, I guess it means he's probably not sleeping. Like, yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, this next like, quote goes on to address that.
0: I'm sure he puts in the same amount of hours, but it's like, you know, they're just in a shorter period of actual time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, like, as he says uh from the same article um if i didn't edit as i go i not only couldn't sleep at <laughs> night but my crew would lose track of what we were doing with multiple cameras
1: i don't really know what he means by that to be honest i can't really comprehend what he's getting at there but i guess cuz well, he like, need to I show people means, like what's going on so
0: yeah like i think um one of the things is because like you know normally when you're shooting like a single camera production like you know the guy shooting the camera, like, has seen all the shots in the movie.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, he knows, like, he's got a very good pick. But, like, whereas everybody's only got, like, one third of it.
1: Right, here, right? right, right, right. So you got to kind of keep, yeah, keep it straight, you I gotta, guess. Yeah, keep everybody on track, so right? So you want to you know? show everybody a cut of what's going on so they know what's going on. Yeah,
0: I, I think so, yeah. Right, right. Um, I mean, I also think it helps probably him
2: figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah yeah
0: so also um, there were a lot of um, horses well, in this movie this is, which should be obvious to you yeah, this <laughs> all speaks
1: to his intensity a bit more, but also kind of like a lighter side of that is because um this, so this next bit about the horses is is is, is funny. I think it's hilarious. It's from the, an article from uh, uh, Gerald Peary, but there's some other bits from the article just about it that I want to just uh pre- preface it with because it's pretty funny just about his intensity so the ride began uncomfortably when kurosawa's longtime interpreter a french woman on the bus asked journalists to write down their questions ahead of time then she began reading them aloud altering the queries which might offend the filmmaker (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't like abstract ones about significance he doesn't like to answer what does this mean she added cheerily
0: i mean like to be honest uh i get that uh, i think that I would bother me if somebody it. asked me you know what does this mean it's like man i'm just trying to put a movie together ask me about i don't know horses yeah exactly
1: well she added cheerily <laughs> you can ask as many questions as you like about horses he likes to talk about horses <laughs>
0: yeah I know. <laughs> so if you want to read
1: this quote
0: yeah so um as he says uh in this interview uh with gerald peary um we tried to find horses that were a little smaller than today's thoroughbreds
1: <laughs> so he does like talking about horses but i thought that was actually super interesting
0: yeah uh like, he doesn't
1: go on to explain
0: apparently he's like somewhat um like obsessed with horses, I think. Well, uh, yeah, it
1: would, it would make sense. But I think what he's implying here is that horses are are bigger. Why now. they're smaller? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. No. Um. I mean, I literally just saw a horse uh, today. Uh, while I was waiting for the bus. While waiting and, for the bus, you saw man, a horse. A police yeah,
1: horse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. They're fucking huge. I don't know if police horses are like extra are big? bred
1: to be intimidatingly large i
0: think maybe they are maybe. but like this thing like i horses are really fucking they big are huge like, man you know they're but you can kind of see it in this this movie that the horses look like a little bit smaller
1: a little more uh maneuverable
0: yeah they're not riding on fucking cop horses like yeah like the one i saw today yeah <laughs> um
1: so speaking of horses Uh, This leads us to our next section here.
0: Okay, so this is kind of cool. This is
1: extremely cool. But do you want to introduce the so section I, I before think, we get into it?
0: Yeah, so this is the truth where we kind of get to the bottom of the things that are going on. You know, we sometimes Keaton talks about aliens, but today that's not happening. I don't know, maybe it is. But today we're just talking about. Sort of behind the scenes, I think. Yeah. Well,
1: this is like because I thought we 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 talked a little bit about the uh, the the horses last week and like guys yeah, falling I off think of I horses.
0: Specifically, mentioned people falling off horses. Exactly. And the way they pull this off is actually interesting. It's so cool. And do you think you could you could explain that? Keith? Yeah.
1: So that's what we're gonna do today. So so basically, it's the scenes f- specifically where they have a, a, a um. Obviously, from a distance. <laughs>
0: yeah. They, they... But also, this is something that is made easier by the fact that they're using telephoto lenses. Exactly.
1: Another thing that's made easier. Yet another thing. Yeah. So, basically, what's in focus, I think, is uh, the—well, or well, not necessarily what's in focus, but uh, in the background, you have all of uh, Saburo's uh, riflemen or whatever— Um, in the bushes and then in the foreground you have the the horse's legs running past and all and the guys falling off the horses onto the ground it's a really brutal shot of like it shows Mm -hmm. all these guys getting like they're just getting mowed down yeah shot off their horses
0: it also shows like you know the uh what do you call that the uh juxtaposition of like you know the old way of like the dudes riding on horses meeting up against like the new kind of warfare with the guns. Exactly.
1: That's a whole other exactly. level to this movie that we haven't really even discussed. Yeah.
0: But Yeah. You know. And them just getting eviscerated. Yeah,
1: exactly. So the it's supposed to be a super brutal scene. Like you guys falling off of horses yeah. like heavily hitting the ground and that looks like it hurts like a lot. So
0: Yeah. Well yeah, you would imagine that falling off a moving horse yeah her. that's
1: what killed uh what's his name barry lyndon's son right yeah
0: also didn't it famously paralyze famous actor um was it christopher reeves
1: was it christopher oh yeah christopher reeves yeah yeah who was gonna have a, a brain transplant surgery by that doctor dr white
0: oh shit i forgot that we mentioned that yeah that we talked about brain transplant. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's Planet of the Apes. But uh, I'm getting sidetracked. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, falling off a moving so horse. So what they, how they actually shot it? Let me tell you now. I don't. I hate to ruin the magic for you, but nobody fell off of a horse in that scene. Which is uh, yes.
0: It was. It was a clever trick of perspective. <laughs> it's an incredibly
1: clever trick. So basically, what they did is they got like a bunch of fucking balance beams
0: (laughs) um well they're not really balance beams they're like small platforms yeah they're like
1: like a series of small rails that are like raised above the ground and basically yeah like a scaffold yeah and the costumed soldiers basically like straddled these things as if they were riding horses and yeah. then when when they
0: at the, at the height, that's just out of the frame. Yeah, so
1: they're out of shot. They're out of the shot. So yeah. when they called action, they had all the a bunch of guys on horseback run through like laneways in the uh, in these mm-hmm. kind of like balance beam scaffolding thingies, you know, um, that the guys are perching on. So as the horses ran through, the guys basically just f- threw themselves to the ground off of these things.
0: Yeah, so they're they're falling about like maybe five feet,
1: maybe um, at most, like four to five feet onto
0: grass. Yeah,
1: and they're not so it's moving.
0: Like, you know, I guess it, it's it's a lot safer because they're not you know they're not moving when they're falling off the horses. It's
1: a, a lot safer, and B, it's easier to control yeah. the shot.
0: Yeah, but th- did every horse that was walking by have a guy on it? of running by i guess
1: i don't know
0: because otherwise okay because i'm just wondering because otherwise because if a guy falls off a horse then you would expect that but they're
1: the guys on the horse
0: i guess there's just enough guys that you don't really notice that they're that all the guy all the horses still have guys on them. but he,
1: in in that particular shot you don't see any guys on yeah. horses anyway
0: all Right. let me don't watch that again well you kind of do
1: I guess you can kind of see
0: their legs. You see just their legs. But I'm saying there's enough guys in the scene that you don't really notice. Hey, there aren't any horses without guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just saying, because it would probably be really dangerous to just have a bunch of horses without guys on yeah, the Yeah,
1: Especially with guys on the ground to get...
0: Yeah, they might get trampled by horses if you're not careful.
1: Yeah. But yeah, there you have it. But kind yeah, of a miniature uh... mixture segment there.
0: Uh, yeah, so nobody fell off a horse.
1: That we know of.
0: Or... That we know of. Yeah. Don't fall off a horse or you might get paralyzed. Yeah, don't fall off a horse. It's like Christopher Reeves. who's <laughs> getting a brain transplant.
1: Yeah, chimp, with a chimp, as I understand. But I don't know. If you really want to know the truth about that, go listen to the...
0: Oh, no, he's, he's dead. Never mind. Oh, uh, well.
1: Maybe it wouldn't have been so this, if he... This had...
0: brain transplant was stuff a while ago.
1: Anyway, Christopher Reeves... Um,
0: Christopher Reeves... Uh, Should have had a chimp's brain. So don't fall off a horse. Yeah, don't fall off a horse. That's why they... That's why they don't do it.
1: Um, so let's let's wrap up this episode and let's wrap up our coverage of this epic film with some Epic truly film. epic film um, with some final thoughts.
0: Yeah, so uh I think I think I've kinda covered it, but yeah, just like it's a great movie. Uh this is how they should teach kids about King Lear. <laughs> uh it's super epic, which I love uh you know great battles intrigue it's got it all you know yeah uh classic classic movie um
1: yeah, and i i yeah, I agree, so sick, and for the length, I often have a lot of trouble sitting through uh long movies, I didn't have a hell of a lot yeah. of trouble sitting through this movie to be honest, like it's long, and you do get antsy for that that first hour can be a bit Rough? But
0: you had trouble sitting through Planet of the Apes, and that's not even nearly as long. Yeah, I,
1: exactly. But Planet of the Apes was much slower paced, in my opinion. I think this film was much better paced.
0: I just want to see. Do we want to talk a little bit about like uh, the awards?
1: Oh yeah. Well, there was the whole controversy about it not being in the Oscars, um, but that was more just a mix-up, wasn't it?
0: well kind of
1: or is this kind of what we were talking about about the japanese
0: it's kind of that so apparently like um so there's a couple things that happened so um it didn't get submitted as the um as best like foreign language back when it was foreign language film what what is it now or what what do they call it it's, uh, what do they call it now?
1: I don't know. It's not. They don't say foreign film anymore.
0: Well, yeah, but foreign best foreign language film was the category. Yeah, and it was not submitted as the Japanese entry into that, allegedly because the like the Japanese like you know whoever decides that in Japan felt slighted by him, allegedly because he didn't show up to the premiere.
1: Right.
0: Um, so, uh, that was, uh, cause I mean, I think definitely in 1985, definitely this could have won. Had it even, had it just been submitted.
1: Yeah, totally. There was kind of a, uh, 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 a campaign to get him nominated as best director, which he was, I believe he didn't win, but
0: yeah. So it was nominated for, four Academy Awards and it won. Yeah. One. It
1: won for. Best costume, costume design. design, yeah.
0: Which, I mean, the costume design in this movie is fucking yeah, excellent. Yeah, which is one thing can we can didn't like, really
1: talk about, but we should have. But, you know,
0: we didn't... We should we, have, but we don't really have the time to You know, to do we could that. have done three parts How can this? we say anything other than it's superlative? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. They'd spent a long time on it, let's just say that. Spent a long time doing some yeah. really good work, which is why they won an Academy yeah. Award. But, yeah, there you go.
0: But, yeah, also it was... Uh, then I'm for Best Director, uh, Cinematography, and Art Direction. There you go. What was Best Picture in 1985?
1: Was it Back to the Future?
0: <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, Keaton, I can't believe you're not getting this.
1: You can't believe I'm not getting
0: it. What was Best Picture in 1985?
1: What was Best... Why am I not... Um, Best Picture 1985... I know the Clue movie came out. What year did? Oh, what year did? Um, what year did Amadeus come out? Was it Amadeus?
0: It was Amadeus. Oh, I fucking
1: love that movie. Talk about an epic. Okay,
0: I know that, but uh, okay. I don't think Ran actually was in the. I think that we're. I think we're looking for the wrong Academy Awards. I think it's 1986. Yeah, so. it is
1: 1986.
0: Yeah. So, um, so who won in 1986? Best Picture.
1: Oh yeah, I would never would have got that.
0: Uh, out of, out of Africa.
1: Africa, yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, considering I was just checking if Meryl Streep had won anything for that
1: in this year, in that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, I think we're, I- we're done this episode.